0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The words to a song of the saints, I gave my all for you, are the words today's guest David Rose Heard sung during his near-death experience some 14 years ago. But they could also be the theme of his life as well, active as he has been in supporting the needs of veterans injured by their years of military service. David Rose is an award-winning author who was drafted into the U.S. Army to serve in the Vietnam War. He chose not to carry a weapon, but served in the critical role of combat trauma medic. After the war, David was diagnosed by the VA with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. But instead of drugs, alcohol, gambling, or other vices common to sufferers of PTSD, he chose projects and writing as a coping tool. Over the decades, David has written some 20 books, from word puzzles to how-to books to military poetry. Based on a daily journal of his thoughts and feelings during his stressful PTSD counseling sessions, His book titled Some Wounds Don't Bleed was born. The book is a poetic account of the author's thoughts and feelings during his 300 plus hours of counseling therapy. In 2017, Some Wounds Don't Bleed won the Mary Caron Humanitarian Award from the International Society of Ethical Psychology and Psychiatry. David is also a classical guitarist and songwriter, including the song And I Sit. But through his life, David has been on a mission to help his wartime brothers and sisters by mentoring war veterans, doing public speaking, and teaching, journaling, and writing workshops to war vets. For his many achievements for vets, David has been inducted into the Florida Veterans Hall of Fame for his writings and his service, just one of the many awards and honors he has received for his work. And today, David provides another service to vets and to all our listeners by telling the story of his remarkable NDE, so David, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you, Reverend Lee. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's wonderful to have you, and I, I am truly amazed at, at how much you have accomplished in your life, especially you know with the handicap of PhD, PTSD, which is a uh, such a problem for so many, so many vets. Um. David, it's estimated there are probably 1,000 NDEs a day in the, U- in the United States alone. And yet many veterans in active-duty military are reluctant to talk about their own near-death experiences because they're afraid they'll be considered psychologically unfit to serve. So military NDEers are afraid talking about it will ruin their careers. And At the same time, we are seeing staggering numbers of suicides every day among despairing soldiers and vets. And an understanding of the reality of NDEs could promote more empathy among the military leadership and medical staff, at least I think, and I, I suppose you might agree with me since you've had one yourself. Um, David, uh, please tell us the story of your NDE.
1: Well, I, I do hope that my telling of my experience will help many veterans and will help make a difference in the mind's of the leaders of the VA or wherever this goes. But I first want to speak directly to the veterans listening to this. When I came home from the Vietnam War 50 years ago, for 45 years, I tried to find camaraderie that duplicated the camaraderie that I had during the war. I searched, searched, and searched for it. I never found it. And I realized in the past years that I wasn't really searching for camaraderie. I was searching for purpose. And if you find yourself in this kind of a scenario uh, where you're seeking something that you're missing after coming home from Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever, Consider purpose because when we're in a war type situation and we finally come home, we're let down. We're not responsible for important duties and important equipment anymore. And what we do back home seems menial, and and maybe it is menial. Mm -hmm. So try to find a new purpose for yourself. And as you know, We have many suicides every day. I was going to be one of those. I sold all my stuff. I sold my car. I was ready. The day was coming up. I had a plan, time, location, everything. And I said a final prayer to God. God, is this what you want? Give me purpose if you want me to continue to represent you. And he did. He gave me purpose that was just plain in my face, and it was a continuation of my veterans' work that I became very deeply involved in and led to everything that I'm doing now. So that's my short message to veterans, kind of outside of my heavenly experience, because um, that one prayer to God, you know, help me, give me purpose, worked. And it worked immediately and okay. saved my life. But let me get into my heavenly experience now. I don't call it a story, I, I call it an experience because it's more than a story. Anybody can tell a story. But this is my experience that I experienced, and I'm sure that you will agree when I'm finished. And I think I can even prove it. So uh, like Reverend Lee said, I was born and raised into a conservative family, conservative community, uh, attended church schools all my life. Um, I was an elder in my church. You know, I I was playing the game. And um, I love God. I represented God. I, I prayed, I read the Bible and through several times, and um, led a good life. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then one day, for some reason, I was impressed that in addition to tithing my income, I should tithe my time. So I started doing that every day. I would set my alarm for two and a half hours, and I would sit in my home or out in nature, or someplace quiet where I could read the Bible. I did a lot of praying, and I learned to do a lot of listening. I can't really say that I do meditation in the true sense of the word, like Far Eastern meditation. It's more of just a quiet time to give God an opportunity to respond to my prayers and for me to hear him. Because if we pray and get up and go do something else, we're distracted with whatever we're doing and and we may not hear what God has in store for us. So that was of interest to me. It was important to me. And I practice that every day. Um, so in my, in my studying and in my two and a half hours, several times when I was quiet, when I was listening, I would sit down and, uh, one particular time my feet went to sleep. My leg was hurting. I, my quiet time listening and being still and, and meditating was not working you know, what's that noise outside? Oh, my back hurts. You know, it it just was not working. And before I sat down, I looked at my clock and it seemed like only about three minutes had passed. And I looked at my clock again and it was over an hour. And I was surprised. Wait a minute. That was not an hour. And so I, I just shook it off as an anomaly. And so the next day or days later, I I went into my routine and was listening quietly for God after a prayer, and it happened again, and it happened again. And I realized that, hey, I am losing blocks of time, and I stopped my tithing my time outdoors because Many times I would go near a cliff or a river, and if you're losing blocks of time, you don't want to be close to a cliff or a river because it's not clear on what you're doing, so I stayed indoors from then on, but um, then one night, my experience happened, and this is where My setup is over now, and I'm going to start telling you about my experience. But that night, it was a normal night. I don't drink. I don't smoke anything. I don't take psych meds. Uh, There was no domestic argument. There was nothing drastic that happened that night. It was just a regular night. And I live alone. I'm divorced. I work in my home. I work for myself. And I was home alone. I went to bed at a normal time, probably around 10 o'clock, and went to sleep just fine. And I don't remember my ascension to heaven like I remember my descension. And later in my little talk, I'll describe my descension. But the beginning of my recollection of my experience in heaven starts by standing on what seemed to be the heavenly equivalent of a sidewalk. And I had a guide with me, a host, a heavenly being. Uh, I'm going to call these beings, beings, because I don't know if they're angels, I don't know what to call them. So I'll just call them a being. But we were headed in a certain direction. And I'll describe what I saw in heaven and what it looked like. But we were traveling, hovering over what seemed to be the ground, but it was not ground. It was not a sidewalk. I mentioned sidewalk earlier, but it was not a sidewalk as we know it. It was a slab of light. Absolutely brilliant transparent light and there were streaks of purple and streaks of maroon, streaks of gold in it and the light was moving and we were coming from a glorious, glorious source of energy and love and light. I couldn't see the source because there was a like a hill or something in our way, but I could tell that the source was just over that hill close by, and I could tell that we were moving from that direction, and we must have just left there. So that light and that power was absolutely amazing. The light was so strong the, the light was so bright. There was so much energy. You could see the light moving from a low position up into the sky. And you could even hear the light. The light was crackling just like huge amounts of voltage. And again, there was a stream of gold and streams of maroon and purple in this light. And it went up into the sky, but there was no sky, not in the sense that we know a sky on the earth. There were no clouds. There there was not blue over our head. Um, This light from this huge source of love went up and around and circulated around the whole area I mean it was just absolutely overpowering it was just all encumbering and and the love coming from that source just covered my being everywhere and I was just immersed in love and caring I felt confident, I felt comforted, I felt safe, Um, every good positive word that I can think of on the earth, I felt, and I had never experienced that before, there was no harm anywhere, I was in God's presence, I was in heaven, and I was loved and accepted. And that felt wonderful. I had never felt that before in my life. And I absolutely adored that feeling. But around me was kind of the equivalent of trees and landscaping, but it wasn't earthly at all. Everything was made of light, and um, it was just holy and godly, and it was beautiful. The, the light kind of crackled and changed colors and seemed to move around, but there was no wind. I didn't feel any wind. I didn't feel any atmosphere, um, and so I'm not sure what the atmosphere would be there, but as I conversed with my host, we didn't speak like I'm speaking now. We didn't communicate like we humans communicate on the earth. We didn't have a mouth that moved. We didn't have words that projected out from our body. We communicated telepathically and we were communicating through our thoughts. And I was being led down this heavenly sidewalk of light. And I don't know what else to call it. And we were moving away from this massive source of light and we were moving in a direction where often the distance. I could see other beings and there were groups of them and, um, all about the same size. And, but I couldn't see any faces and my guide was walking along next to me, but my guide was not moving feet. Like my guide didn't have legs that were visible. And my guide was just kind of floating along. Uh, there was no stride movement in my guide's body. So I could tell my guide was not taking steps. My guide was just kind of floating. And there was a space under and my guide was kind of hovering. And... I realized, too, that I was doing the same thing. I was hovering. I was not walking one foot in front of the other like we do on Earth. And I didn't feel it. There was no deliberate action in moving forward. I just did what I needed to. And so we were continuing to communicate. And I don't think I remember everything that we were talking about. Um, But we came up to this group of people. And there was one huge, magnificent, bright, holy being that was standing around that group of people. And I cannot describe to you in earthly terms what that being looked like. The being was mammoth, huge, strong. Um, the mammoth, the 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 being did not have white robes draped like everybody else did. This. Being was in a warrior gear, not warrior gear like we know on the earth. It's totally different. This is all heavenly. This is all holy. This is all righteous. And this giant being projected love. I mean, I felt so close and so loved and so comfortable and protected it was just amazing i i can't even describe to you the magnificence of that being i wish i could draw it but i can't um i was just overwhelmed with that being i wanted to go meet that being but I was not given the opportunity and I didn't have the courage I guess I'm not sure that's the right word but whatever I was feeling I did not ask to go meet that being we kind of went around the side and at that point went over to what was the heavenly equipment, or equivalent, rather, of a structure, a building. But it really wasn't in in earthly terms, because <clears throat> there was somewhat of an um, outline of a building, but guess what? It was made of light, and you're going to keep hearing that. It was made of light, and it had walls that went up, And you could see through the walls. It didn't need windows. There were no windows because you could see through it. And um, so the walls went straight up. There was no ceiling. You could see the light above from that massive source of light off in the distance. And I could see that massive source of light right through the building. And so we were in a structure, but we were kind of exposed to the earthly equivalent of outdoors but we really weren't because there was no outdoors it's just totally different and you know I, I need to be talking more about not just what I saw but what I felt that is actually maybe more important than what I saw And the peace, the love, the joy, the uh, godly feelings that I had were just amazing and overpowering. Um, It was such a wonderful feeling. And I'm not doing an explanation of my feelings any justice at all because all I know are earthly words and earthly words don't get it I mean earthly words are very insignificant when you're describing heaven there's so much more that we're missing living here and There's so much more coming for us. But I was guided inside this structure, and there seemed to be two groups of people. There was a large group of people that occupied maybe four fifths of the inside of this structure, maybe, I don't know, 200 beings, maybe. And then there was another line of people that were in a straight line and they appeared to be facing this larger group. So it was set up much like a stage and audience. And I'm not sure that's the right way to describe it in heaven, but that's what it appeared to me. And so I was guided over to the side of the audience right next to the end of this line of beings at the head table, so to speak. And my guide, my host continued to communicate with me, telling me what's going on, you know, and there appeared to be somewhat of a table uh, between myself and uh, my guide. And it wasn't a table as, as, as we know it here on the earth, it was a slab of light. And I noticed on this slab of light, there was something sitting there. And it looked like just a clump of light. And it was weird looking. And so I, I asked my host what that was. And my host said, that is food. And that food is intended for you. And my host said, I need to instruct you on how to consume this. <clears throat> and so I listened, I observed, and it, it was not like you, you have an apple on the table, on the earth and you pick it up and put it in your mouth. It was not like that. So I don't think I was even able to reach down and and touch it. So it's just that all of a sudden that that food kind of hovered off the table and somehow entered my body. And I'm not sure exactly how that happened. But my guide told me that I was being fed and um, that what I was consuming was healing me. And I remember thinking, why am I being healed? What am I being healed of? What's wrong with me? You know, I. I feel fine, and um, I was thinking that, but I didn't say it, because if heaven is telling me that I'm being healed, that's good enough for me, (laughs) and so I didn't want to question that, because, hey, I'm just an earthling, and I'm full of sin. And I have, you know, diseases. And so I'm sure that I need to be healed. So I just went with the program. And when I consume that food, I am telling you, that was the most amazing experience. I always get emotional. I can't help it. It's so powerful. That food tasted so good. Not only did it taste good, but I could feel it working in my body immediately. My body felt warm. It felt, I don't know, kind of tingly maybe, but I could tell it was holy. I could tell it was from God. I could tell it was a gift. I could tell. It was full of love. It was full of peace. Um, Everything that I felt in the atmosphere multiplied 10 times or more in this food. It was so strong, so overwhelming, love and goodness and well-being. And after I consumed some, I asked my host if I could have more. And my host said yes. And so I was fed. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like this food on the earth. Uh, we have not tasted goodness in this life, in this earth. Um, there is so much more coming for us. We have no idea. And I was just overwhelmed. I don't have words for it. I know I keep saying that, but I don't know what else to say. Uh, I wish I had a better, more descriptive way of expressing it. I mean, you know, I've I've authored 25 books, but I'm telling you sitting here, I don't know how to describe what I experienced in heaven. There are no words for it in English. And so after I consumed that food, the most amazing thing happened. in the middle of this line of beings that were off to my left, sort of at the head table, there was one in the middle that rose up. He didn't stand up. He rose up and started to sing. And that was the most amazing sound I had ever heard. I could tell it was the heavenly equivalent of a male voice, maybe a baritone. And the clarity of that voice was absolutely perfect. The volume was deafening. Uh, I could feel the reverberation I could feel the vibrato coming off of that voice. And I could feel it pass through my body. It was so strong. And he was singing. I'm going to call him a he because it sounded like a baritone. But he was singing words that I didn't understand. and. He was singing for a while, and I was listening, but I was paying attention to his voice itself, the quality, because I couldn't understand the words. And then all of a sudden, he started singing words that I understood in English. And it was, I gave my all for you. And at that time, I thought that he was talking a about words that Jesus might have said. I thought that he was talking about Jesus, not himself, not anybody else, but Jesus. And after he sang those words, he went back into what seemed like another verse, and he was singing in a language I didn't understand. And then He cycled back around to English. I gave my all for you. And those were the only words in his total song that I understood. But it's more than just the voice quality of that individual, because at a certain point, with no command, no visible direction, Everybody in the audience rose up together, no cue. It was amazing. And they started singing with this gentleman up front. And I'm telling you, the volume, whoo, the volume and the quality of that choir was crushing that's the only word i can muster up but that choir had to be heard all over heaven and maybe even all over the universe i don't know i don't even know what i'm saying but the volume was just amazing And the quality of the voices were like none I've ever heard, highs, lows, in between. And I realized something. Since I'm a musician, been studying music all my life, I've sung in many choirs. I realized that the musical scale in heaven is longer than the musical scale. On the earth, there may be two or three or four extra notes inside their octave than we have on the earth. And as you can imagine, that provides the choir with many more opportunities for harmonies. And the harmonies were so close and so many. Harmony notes. I had never heard anything like that before. Because we don't have that on the earth. We can't comprehend it. We have never heard it. And it was just powerful. I will never forget it. So as soon as they started singing, they were finished with their song. And they all lowered down. And I remember talking with individual beings beside me. We were close enough that we could communicate. And I don't remember what we were talking about. I may not have even understood what we were talking about. When I was there, because it was so far above me and it was so godly, so powerful, so peaceful, I felt loved, I felt protected, I felt confident, and I was being fed, I could tell that. And then all of a sudden, out of my control, I didn't want to say this, but I did. I'm not even sure I said it, but it came from somewhere. And I said to everybody, thank you very much, but I have to go now. I didn't want to leave God's presence. I didn't want to leave heaven, and I didn't know where I was going. Just out of me came, I have to go now. And I felt myself slowly being pulled from God's presence, from Jesus' presence, from the presence of the goodness of heaven. I was being drawn away from the people around me acquire this line of people up front. I was going away. And it felt terrible, horrible. I didn't want that to happen. But I had no control. I was going. And what I'm going to tell you next probably took I'm not sure three to five seconds to happen but I can't tell it in three and five seconds so it's going to take me a little bit to tell you what happened but the start of that five seconds starts right now and I'll tell you when it ends but all of a sudden after leaving that place with all those beings and after leaving heaven I felt like, and I could see around me, the inside of a tube of light. And I was traveling very, very fast through this tube of light. I could actually look around and see the inside of this pipe just passing right by me, just zip. Just faster than you can imagine. And uh, I started to decelerate. And as I decelerated, that light inside this tube, pipe, tunnel, whatever it is, started slowing down. And I continued to look around me and I realized that, hey, that is not a solid tube like I thought it was. That tube is made up of little bitty spots of light. And there are so many of those spots of light. And I'm moving so fast through them that they all streak together and look to me as though it's a solid mass of light around me so what was that was that me passing through space and those are suns that I saw as spots and there were so many they just kind of streaked together I don't know what else it would be I'm not making a statement of what it was I'm just describing what I saw and what I experienced. And I was decelerating really fast. And those little dots of lines of light slowed down and slowed down. And I was still looking around me. And I was like, wow, there's my son. There's my solar system. Wait a minute. There's Earth. And so I started approaching Earth, and I actually saw clouds in North America. And then I saw my city. I saw my house. Hey, there's my roof. And I went through my roof and I found myself hovering below my ceiling in my bedroom, looking down at my body in bed, seemingly asleep. That's the end of the five seconds that I told you about. And so I saw my body and Whatever it was, my spirit, I don't know, whatever it was hovering over the ceiling, just kind of went down and merged into my body. I could see it. I could feel it. I knew what was happening. And so suddenly I'm back in my body again. And when I saw my body, I don't know if I was. I I thought I was sleeping, you know, because I was laying there. And so I realized when I merged with my body that my body was absolutely ice cold, frozen. I had never been cold like that before. I was cold to the bone. And I was so cold that. I couldn't move my joints. I was literally frozen in position. And I couldn't move. My teeth were chattering very closely. I couldn't move my jaw very far, but but my teeth were still chattering. And so since I couldn't move, I had no choice but to lay there and try to warm up. And I felt on my anterior thighs and on my chest, I felt electricity. I felt like static electricity. Have you ever been to the planetarium and they have that big metallic ball and you put your hand on it and your hair stands up? Yes. <laughs> that That is the way that I felt, I felt static electricity on me and it felt weird. It felt annoying, but there was nothing I could do about it. So after some time, I warmed up enough that I felt relatively safe trying to get up and get myself to the tub. I had this very urgent desire. To submerge my body in a tub of hot water. I needed to get my body warm. And so somehow I shuffled to the bathroom and ran a, a tub of water, submerged my body in it. And it didn't take long for it to get cool. So I drained it and ran another tub of water. And I. I was thinking the whole time about what just happened to me. What was that? And why am I back here? How did I get back on the earth? And I don't know how long I was in heaven, but it seemed to me like an eternity. It seemed like I lived there. It seemed like I'd been there forever it seemed like I didn't know anything else. And even for the time that I was there walking from one point to another, I felt like a veteran. I felt like, you know, I was part of the gang. And so, um, I wanted to document what I had just experienced. So I, I, got out of the tub, I was still freezing cold, I put on a sweat suit, I I put on a robe, I wrapped blankets around my shoulders, and I shuffled myself to my computer, and I keyed the best I could to start writing down a documentation of what happened to me, and before I forgot it, little did I know then that I would never forget it. And as I was doing that, I I looked around, looked around my room. I'm a good housekeeper. And everything around me looked dirty and dark and nasty and sinful, deplorable. I was so uncomfortable in my own home and in my own clothes. It was just not where I wanted to be. Uh, I was living such a dirty earthly life that I couldn't relate to it. I had just returned from heaven, and seemingly heaven was all I knew at that point. And now I'm sent back to the earth. And yeah. David was sent to heaven. Yeah, he was. But, you know, (laughs) they sent him back. Another reject, David Rose. And uh, so I couldn't work that day. And as you can imagine, so I made a mistake. I got in my car and I decided to drive to the highest point of elevation in my area that I knew that I could access because I wanted to be back close to heaven. And I understand the math and the measurements. I know how insignificant the highest point around me in Tennessee is compared to the distance to heaven. I get it, but I didn't care no matter how insignificant that distance was, I had to reach to the highest point that I could find. And that's what I did. I had been there many times before. It's a beautiful place in earthly terms. But it was still dark when I arrived. I sat there and watched sunrise. On any other day, that would have been a beautiful sunrise but to me on that day it was ugly it was dark it was not what i wanted for myself and i was confused i was even angry at god why did you send me back i was there you know couldn't you use me there and so I started asking God, why did you do this? What do you want from me? What am I supposed to do now that I'm here? Am I supposed to tell my story? What do you want? And um, so I was confused. I was even angry. And so I went on as best I could. Couldn't work for days. and. finally got back into my life the way it was and
0: um david there's uh we we have about five minutes left and i know know you became a a park ranger at glacier peak and while you were lecturing there one day you met this amazing woman tell us about that
1: um yeah, I was a U.S. park ranger at Glacier Point in Yosemite National Park. And one of my duties was to uh, guide heights and uh, walk the sidewalk, answer questions, and uh, make presentations to groups of people. And <clears throat> I was talking to maybe 100 people on the sidewalk. And over to my left side, I was distracted from my group, and I, I, found, I, I saw this woman. I didn't know her, but what I noticed about her was that she had this tremendous aura, and after my heavenly experience, I was actually able to see auras, and her aura went way up through the sky out of sight, and her aura was white and purple and maroon and gold, and it was glistening. It just kind of traveled up from her. So <clears throat> I said to my group, please excuse me. I'm, I'm going to have to go talk to this woman. <laughs> and so I walked over <laughs> to her and I said, who are you? And she said, I'm from a church called I Am. And I had never heard of it. And she said, I am here to tell you that the warrior being that you saw in heaven is your guardian angel. And he saved your life many times in Vietnam and actually many times since and he's still saving your life. And she said, whenever he travels to earth, she said, there are five places where he goes and she said his favorite place is right over there And she told me gave me a description of the place and I responded to her and said, I know that place. I go there. you know my cabin is just a hundred yards from there where I live and I frequently go down there to pray and meditate and study ranger stuff, nature, and that's a special place for me, too. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. One of the, has to be in the top three most beautiful places in the world. And, and she said, well, uh, he loves you and he will continue to protect you. And she said, we want you to come visit us. At our I am church, and she gave me a printed brochure. I used to have it, but I lost it through a bunch of moves. <clears throat> and so I said, Thank you very much. And I looked at my group, remembering that I still had a group of people over there. <laughs> and I looked back, and she was gone. And there was a distance there that she could not cover in the time that I looked away. So I'm not sure what happened to her, but I looked up the I Am church and it's not really a church. Like we know churches and, um, I never made it to the church. It was in Los Angeles. It was farther than I could travel. Um, And the time that I had off from work and uh, we had a very busy schedule and I never got to that church. I know it seems crazy. And many comments that I've heard from people said, David, why didn't you go to that church? You have to go to that church. I agree. I should have. But I was afraid to, for one thing because I wasn't sure it was Christian. I wasn't sure of a lot of things. And so anyway, for whatever reason, I never made it to that church. And I've been burying this story until now. And I'm finally telling this story to the public. And I hope that in somehow, this telling of my experience has helped you in some way to come closer to God, to realize that there's more planned for us in the future. Um, find your God, find Jesus, and dedicate your life to him. And I'll see you in heaven. I've been to hell, Vietnam War. And I've been to heaven. I choose heaven.
0: I hope you do. Thank you, David. Thank you so much for sharing this story. Uh, tell folks you did a little. Um, it's it's like a little book, I guess, uh, but it's also available on Kindle, and it's and it's so inexpensive that everyone should. That's it. Um, yeah. Tell tell folks how they can get it.
1: Well, it's on Amazon. You can get it in a paperback like this or like the Reverend said in Kindle. But <clears throat> go to um, myheavenlyexperience.com and you'll be linked to this book on Amazon and you can purchase this. I make no money on this book. I have it priced as low as I possibly can, and I make a zero royalty. The only reason I made this book was so that there's another avenue of telling this story. Uh, somebody who may not be able to see the video or or whatever um, may want to give this to someone for them to read. So yes. that's available, and <clears throat> so. Um, I encourage you to purchase it. In the back of the the book, in the very ending, are some texts that tell you how you can find your own salvation, and through God's or Jesus' instructions from the Bible, find your own way to being saved through salvation by Jesus.
0: And if folks wanted to learn more about you or some of your projects with the vets, how would they? Uh, could they get in touch with you or email?
1: David Rose at gmail.com.
0: That's pretty straightforward.
1: Pretty straight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> one word, David Rose at gmail.com. Yes. yes. David, thank you so much. This has been, this has been terrific. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, if we can place it in some um, veterans uh, facilities in one, one form or another, I think uh, it may prove to be uh, very inspirational to them to tell their stories, because there are a lot of folks out there who are just afraid to talk about the, the uh, NDE that they've had. If listeners would like to hear this show again, or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, go to Talk Zone's NDE Radio uh, site and hit the Pass Shows button, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can listen and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. Be sure to like, follow, and share our NDE Radio Facebook page and discover our Facebook group and links to our YouTube channel while you're there. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.